Welcome to Whole and Holy. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm delighted today to introduce my guest, Chris Gansky. Chris is the founding pastor of City Reformed Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which he started in 2012. He holds a PhD in theology from Marquette University. He's active in the Center for Pastor Theologians. A native of Florida, Chris and his wife, Kate, have lived in a variety of places before they settled in Wisconsin. They have two children, and Chris notes that he doesn't get lots of opportunities for surfing in Wisconsin, but he does enjoy gardening there with his daughter. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, I, can I make a correction that doesn't need to be edited out? But actually, I get a lot of opportunity for surf now because I surf in Lake Michigan. So uh, ah. <laughs> that's a whole okay. other conversation, though. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good I'm to glad be with you, you found. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you found an outlet for surfing, uh, even yeah. in even in Wisconsin. That's that's, that's awesome. Right. That's great. Um, well, again, thanks for being a part of the the podcast. Really appreciate that. And our topic today is is artificial intelligence or AI. And I guess we'll probably use those two terms interchangeably. Um, you know, we we hear a lot about AI these days, and for many, when they hear it, it conjures up images of the the Terminator or some other dystopian movie, something like that. But what are we really talking about when we're talking about AI today? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's actually a lot of great movies that um, kind of make us think about AI, whether it's the Terminator or going older 2001 space odyssey uh, blade runner um mm -hmm. i think even to think about it in terms of a movie always sort of call calls forth for us a kind of background and mm -hmm. uh i think the way i would i i think it's really important when you're approaching the question of artificial intelligence and ai and um from the release of chat gpt this past uh january um, just a remarkable amount of conversation within major publications and across the board on AI, um, which is, you know, um, pretty remarkable as a as a technology. And I, I think, you know, stepping back, I think the, a mistake we could make would be to kind of see the emergence of of the sophisticated forms of AI as some kind of new thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's sort of kind of come upon us and now we've got to figure it out and we're already behind the game. And, and I think that's not a, I think it's better to try to think about the backdrop and the, again, to use hermeneutical language, the, the horizon of interpretation. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, so there's, I'll talk about what I think are the, 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 what's new about AI, but in, in many ways, I think it's really important as you approach the question of AI to understand that in many ways it's it's simply the the fulfillment the the pinnacle the 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 realization of i think 100 years of life within a technological society mm -hmm. uh, that the logic of it right there there's a sense in which it's it's not new per se <laughs> uh but we finally achieved i think what has been kind of a driving force in the way that technology has reshaped modern life. I mean, mm -hmm. you've had, you know, I want to get into the history of technology, but I mean, you know, you, you have technology in the Bible going all the way back to the garden, I would argue, but there's, I think something distinctive of the past hundred years plus probably middle part of the 19th century, where there is the emergence of, of a kind of a technological worldview. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can interpret that. Um, but I think, you have to fit AI against that background 
Okay. And um, yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No. Well, I was going to say, so for, for listeners who, you know, they've heard of chat GPT and, you know, they've got that background and that was a helpful kind of review of things. And, and, and I really appreciate, you know, this idea of a, Kind of a technological worldview, and and that I've I've read things about talking about digital natives versus digital immigrants and that sort of thing, and so maybe this is kind of an extension of of that in a sense of yeah. of a a way of seeing the world influenced by technology. But when you so when people think about AI, um, are we talking about primarily ChatGPT and these um, large language model kinds of things, or I I'm, I'm just kind of want to get down to the the nitty yeah. gritty for folks who may not even be knowing what we're really talking about when we're when we're talking about AI, other than hearing, seeing in headlines and and hearing of all sorts of different things. So, what are we what are we talking about um, in terms of how what what are the what are the opportunities for using it? How is it being used in the church? Well, um, yeah, I mean, so you you talk about large language models, but um, I think what's unique about the the sort of chat gpt and um and that is it's it's able to in sophisticated ways that we didn't think were possible um give attention <laughs> uh to identifying certain forms of information um and responding in ways that um really seem to kind of be quite remarkable i mean mm-hmm. people um have used a lot of you know using pot illustrations is always helpful right so We've heard stories about how ChatGPT has passed the bar exam or mm-hmm. how you can ask ChatGPT to write you a Shakespearean sonnet, but, you know, about, you know, dogs in a park or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And it'll and it'll do all these things that that there's a level of of processing, you know, uh, based on this large language model. And I'm not the best person, you know, from a computer science perspective to kind of explain how that works. Um, yeah. But I think w- one of the ways I like to to come, I mean, we'll, we'll just to say that AI is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, I mean, we we think of it just in terms of um, we we think of AI just in terms of Chat GPT, or we we think of like our our interactions. But like AI technologies are really behind um, uh, lots lots and lots of businesses today, in which they're mm-hmm. they're having to sift large amounts of data and come up with, you know, decision-making policy, things like that. And AI technology is sort of, you know, algorithms that are written with like specific things in mind to target. And these are sort of being developed, whether it's, you know, uh, predicting customer behaviors or uh, transportation patterns or things like that. And Mm. so, Anytime, I mean, AI, and, and I mean, it's it's quite remarkable in its capacity to sort of sift data according to specific criteria and come up with with answers that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that so that's a little bit of a pre, you know, of of what things. But I mean, um, you know, when I think about, uh, you know, what so what is it? What's new about AI and what's from from traditional technologies? I mean, historically, when you think about a technology, you think like, well a tool or technology is something that helps us do something in the world and to the world that we can't do without it. Right. Like, so Mm -hmm. if I need to cut down a tree, (laughs) I can't do it with Mm -hmm. my hands. I need a chainsaw or an ax or something like that. But I think what's fascinating and a little bit scary 
about AI is that it's it does things that we thought only humans once could do. Mm. Um, so pass the bar exam, write a poem, mm. write a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the that for me is it raises all these really deeper existential questions. And I think that's when I, you know, when you look behind like the major problems uh, with AI in terms of the conversation, there's what's called the alignment problem. And the alignment problem has to do with this idea that, and again, this is something new about AI is that there's a kind of agency um, that this technology has mm-hmm. that, again, we once thought was only possible for human beings. And it has the capacity to exercise an agency, which we don't fully understand how mm. it arrives at the decisions it arrives at. So say it's making decisions about, say, uh, recidivism <laughs> and who's going to be repeat offenders and uh, making recommendations about sentencing and things like that. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, how do we know <laughs> well, how it thinks and mm. um, mm-hmm. what data sets it's using to try to predict these things? And what if it starts, um, you know, making decisions and going in directions that are not aligned with what we want? I mean, this is a this is already, happening, of course, mm-hmm. um, but there's a sense of fears that the, the more powerful AI becomes, the more it has a kind of agential role or agency role in making decisions, sifting data. Mm -hmm. Um, the more potential there is, is that its goals aren't aligned with our goals and we can't fully align those. So that's Mm -hmm. the major cultural conversation. Mm -hmm. But if I could just, and I'll finish this thought, um, there's another problem that I think helps us create, find more of the bridge to think about it theologically, which I call the displacement problem. Mm -hmm. And by displacement problem, I, I mean that there's a sense in which we are confronted in AI with it's doing things that we thought only humans could and should do. And mm-hmm. within the church context, say, write prayers, mm-hmm. uh, write sermons, do things mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think it raises this question, well, what is it? I mean, if an AI can do what I can do, but even better potentially, mm-hmm. uh, what does it mean to be human? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's really, uh, that's a helpful overview and that. And so that gets at, you know, kind of that, that issue of how, how is it being used in the church? You talk about writing prayers. I've read some things about that, about uh, performing liturgy in some traditions. Uh, you mentioned sermon yeah. sermon writing. Is that uh, are those kind of predominant ways that it's being used? And I want to come back to that question of agency because I think that's a really important thing. But for for the moment, um, I want to just kind of clarify how how is it being used uh, that that you're aware of? And are there ways other than than say you know writing prayers or writing sermons that it's being used that uh, our listeners might want to be aware of, maybe they didn't know about. Well, I'm, I'm not aware of how it's being used uh, beyond what you mentioned already. You know, I've heard the stories about people using it to, to write sermons or prayers. Um, I mean, it's certainly being used by members of the church in in terms of having chat GPT and engaging that way. Um, But I, I, you know, aside from those examples, I haven't seen any. Okay. Yeah. So what, what would you say as you think about this, you know, the, the title of this episode is, you know, threat or opportunity. Uh, what are some of the opportunities? How, how can it be a helpful tool? You talked about the, the benefit of a, an ax or a chainsaw in cutting down a, a tree. Obviously that could be used to hurt someone as well. So there's, you know, right. any technology can be used for good or for ill. What are the, what are the promises 
of AI for pastors and ministry leaders and, and the church in general? Well, I struggle to answer this question um, with too much. I, I want to say I don't, I don't think we need to be panicking or fearful of using AI. It's not clear to me uh, what exactly the opportunities would be. Um, I, it's something I, I'm not saying there aren't. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. in people's lives individually, there can be different ways that AI technology can enhance life. But at a programmatic level for the life of the church, I guess I, I see less, I would be more cautious about um, an embrace of AI technology, but just because of the, I think, the real danger of this problem of displacement. And mm. and by no means would I characterize myself as being sort of Luddite or, mm -hmm. tech, you know, dystopian. But I, sure. you know, you can clearly see in the history of the church that, say, the invention of the printing press uh, played a great role in, in the Reformation and the spread of the gospel or the or of radio and things like that. Things that amplify mm -hmm. um, and can, in a sense, extend. Um, I think we're, well, one, we're very early in the stages of AI in terms of like its integration and, and into life. So, I mean, this is just going to be an ongoing conversation. But I guess, you know, I'm already sort of answering the more what what are the threats or perils? And, mm -hmm. and I guess my worry is is simply that um, is a kind of displacement mm -hmm. of humanity from the heart of the church. And that God mm -hmm. has ordained specific human activities um, to accomplish his mission. Mm -hmm. And and I think that and what's what's important is I think it's important that the, the mission of the church and the ministry of the church is not something that can be separated or isolated from a very specific vision of what it means to be human. Mm. So it, it's not like we have a product or or like salvation of souls into heaven or something like that, or or even creating a just society. I mean, there there's a way that the mission the mission of the church is bound up with what it means to be a human being. Mm. If this were not the case, then God could have sent an angel instead of, you know, Jesus, the son of man, yeah. right? right. At, in our place, right? And and so um yeah, I mean it's a hard question. And I I don't and again I I'm I'm not I, I'm not a dystopic kind of person when it comes to technology. I have chat GPT, I use it. Um but but I I guess because and this is where I would go back to like when we're having a conversation about AI, again, let's interpret it against the backdrop of life in a technological age and, mm -hmm. and the various ways that there's already been various forms of technological encroachment within the life of the church that I think have have had negative effects on what it means to be church. Um so, so yeah, I mean, I could tease that a little bit more, but I guess I would be a little more cautious about an embrace. And, and I would be especially against, you know, <laughs> like people seeing chat GPT as like a, a good alternative to writing their sermons. No, I could see conceivably somebody asked chat GPT or an AI that has access to more databases <laughs> to <laughs> summarize like a biblical doctrine of say the Sabbath and give me the mm -hmm. main points. And, and, you know, like if you know how to use that wisely, that could be a good jumping off point in terms mm -hmm. of study as a resource or tool, but mm -hmm. Hey, uh, write my sermon. I, I think that's an <laughs> abdication of what God has called us to do as human beings. Sure. Yeah. One of the things I've heard, for example, is somebody, a pastor might write a, 
a newsletter or something like that, or a, a right, you know, the pastor's column in a newsletter, and then you know, ask AI to to edit it in terms of correcting grammatical mistakes or or, yeah. or things. And I've even heard some that talk about you know, does this does this point that I'm making support the argument I'm making? That's in a that's in a um, an AI that's developed for Khan Academy. They they're doing yeah. that sort of thing where it can assess that. And that to me seems like that could be a an opportunity, you know, to to do that. I know the I know of somebody who's a business person who believes strongly that like the the emails that they send out as a company, they write them, but then they need to be they go through um, AI and and it improves them in their in their mind. Uh, and we can talk about where the line is drawn in terms of that agency question because I do think that's that's huge. So well, I've heard yeah, that. I, I would love AI to be able to sort of put together an agenda for a council meeting and then take minutes <laughs> and send it out. <laughs> yeah. For you know, there's a there's a lot of administrative things that I do that are really important that I, I don't see as essential to my humanity, the exercise yeah. of my humanity in the pastorate. So so yeah, I I but but I would say those are examples of uh inst- like wise uses, tool uses of AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Rather than than the sort of, I mean, AI presents itself to us as as a paradigm, as as a worldview. I think in terms of mm-hmm. like how it comes at us, and, and so that's where I mean, I, I think about you know the whole, and I say you know, well, yeah, wise use of it as a tool, mm-hmm. um, that's good. But but as as some kind of a paradigm shift in the way we can do ministry and further the gospel. Again, I mean, I I, I think there's a sense in which this is part of what makes you know the 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 church across time always relevant it's not like mm-hmm. you know because we're more advanced technologically than the first century that somehow we're wiser or more <laughs> adept at doing that. ministry <laughs> right it's very hard to argue that there there's a kind of continuity of human nature across time that that always is always perdures even even as it has lots of different cultural expressions and and mm-hmm. tools and stuff mm-hmm. yeah That's good. We're going to pause for just a moment uh, and hear a message about uh, about Bethel Seminary, and then we'll be we'll be right back. Our world is in desperate need of spiritual leadership, men and women who will sing along with the Apostle Paul and saying, follow me as I follow Christ. For over 150 years, Bethel Seminary has been equipping whole and holy leaders to advance the gospel from a biblically sound foundation. That's why we've launched Seminary for Everyone. Online courses that are available throughout the year on a variety of topics, whether you're motivated to study for credit or simply for curiosity. For those who sense a call to vocational ministry, we have seven degree programs at the master's or doctoral level. All of these programs are designed to equip you not only with a strong theological foundation, but personal character and leadership development as well. At Bethel, we care about who you are and who you are becoming. Both online and in person, we cultivate environments with a strong sense of purpose and belonging. You will feel empowered both by your fellow students and by faculty who care about you and who God is calling you to be. You belong at Bethel Seminary. You belong at Bethel Seminary. You belong at Bethel Seminary, where you will become equipped for your part in God's mission. Okay, we're back, and I'm talking with Chris Gansky about artificial intelligence and the and the church. Well, Chris, uh, I, I would say 
I think we're probably on the same page with respect to how we see this and and the the concerns and and that I'm not a an unalloyed optimist when it comes to AI and and focus probably more readily on some of the challenges. So I'd like to dig into that a little bit and in particular this issue of agency. You know, it it seems to me that when we look at the at the scriptural account of God's activity in the world by by creating human beings in his image, he gives them the, a certain responsibility to to be image bearers to to do work that he wants done in the world and that's in my view a significant aspect of what it means to be human and and so to do that work is to to live out our our calling as human beings and then as followers of Jesus to to do that when we start having AI write sermons for example or even prayers mm-hmm. uh, I you know, when we pray, we're we're opening ourselves up to God, and we're we're expressing our desires. But it's a dynamic process, you know. Where, as Scripture says, sometimes the Spirit gives us words and groanings and, and all this sort of thing. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, AI can't do that. <laughs> that that AI isn't going to be, you know, opening its heart up to to God, and God can use any tool, I suppose, that he that he wants. But there's that human interaction of aligning our heart with God in prayer, for example, or the proclamation of the word of God and the truth of, of that, that that's been discerned through reading and study of scripture. Those are, to me, those are uniquely human aspects. And that gets at what you were saying before. So, and that's part of that agency there. So how do you recommend that pastors uh, preserve their agency and their vital role in, in teaching and discipling a congregation? Is it, is it strictly a matter of just refusing to use it? You said you've, you know, you use, ChatGPT. So, what what would you say? How how do people preserve their agency and that vital role, that that role of being human? Well, yeah, I think the the question of agency is is key. And I'll, uh, this kind of shorthand, I'll use the 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 language of you know um, humanity or <laughs> um yeah. So so I think what's essential is is to cultivate a positive vision of what it, what what human flourishing means in relationship to God, right? That a Christian understanding of human flourishing, and I, you know, um, is a God-centered understanding of mm-hmm. humanity. And it's sure. one that takes as the primary fundamental principle of what it means to be human is to be a worshiper and to be always related to God mm-hmm. and and to be a creature, right? And, and so, so there's like, what does it mean to be human? What are human beings for? I think this is the key question. And and if you have a positive, clear vision of what that means, mm. um, I think that helps you put in place the right kind of boundaries and limits on how you use technology. So if you understand, say, for instance, the centrality of, of having a body um, and that a body isn't just a throwaway thing. I mean, you're, you are your body in a sense, and you're not reducible just to your body. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, if, if, if the resurrection of the dead makes no sense of all, if the body is sort of like a, just a container for the mm-hmm. soul, cause God could just mm-hmm. give us new bodies and download us into those. Right. There's something sure. essential about this, my particular body to my humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, again, this is the incarnation, right? And and so like, well, if that's your understanding of what it means to be human, then I have to think, well, 
this question of embodiment is key for my understanding of worship and life and practice and all these different things. And so I think having a, a really full vision of what it means to be a human being, this kind of relates to this idea of, of agency. Um, if I could make one other kind of comment on this. Yeah, of course. Something that's, that we, we miss sometimes in the scripture is that, so the office of the priest and the priesthood, right? It's so I think, you know, you and I would, you know, pretty, pretty strong consensus that being an image bearer and Genesis one through three kind of evokes this idea of kind of a priestly Kings set within the context of creation. And that mm-hmm. the human beings are meant to be priest-like as, as those who presence God to and within creation. And when you have the development of the priesthood in the old Testament, and then it gets sort of fulfilled in the person of Jesus uh, there's something essential to the humanity of the priest. <laughs> mm. I think this mm-hmm. is like the, the Hebrews captures this especially, right? I mean, he was like us in every way, mm-hmm. um, yet was without sin. There, there's something like it couldn't just be an angel <laughs> mm-hmm. that did this. Yeah. It had yeah. to be a human being. And, and, and I think the ministry, and this is so important for theological education, because I think sometimes we, we think about, being educated and it's like i I, i'm learning these different skills i got to learn how to to uh you know preach and exegete a text i've got to learn you know this this body of literature around theology i've got to learn these tools and techniques or pastoral counseling and these are important things that we have to cultivate and develop but god always uses our humanity (laughs) as Mm -hmm. part of instrument and this is not an instrument that just gets cast away Right. Yes. It, it is central to who we are. And so I, I think, you know, the, the whole vision of Christian vision of salvation is for the, the renewal of human nature. Mm-hmm. And so human nature is part of the means by which he uses to redeem human nature. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think when technology in, in the sort of technological worldview sense that sort of dominates more and more displaces key aspects of our humanity. It, it can't but lead to a diminishment of the gospel and the mission mm. of the church. Yeah. But I, I think that you have to start in a positive way in terms of like, what is a human being for? Mm. Uh, what does human flourishing look like? Understood biblically mm-hmm. and, and, and have clarity about that. And then you can sort of have means of regulating good and unwise uses of technology in our lives. Mm. That's, that's really helpful. And I, I think I know where you're going to go on this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So suppose someone um, goes to ChatGPT and says, I want, a, I want a, a sermon, an exegetical sermon on whatever passage. And it gives it, uh, gives it the passage and ChatGPT spits out, you know, a, a sermon on that, on that particular passage. And for the sake of this illustration or argument, let's, let's say it's a, an exegetically sound thing. We're going to talk about false information yep. in a minute about that, but let's say it's sound. So it's a, you know, from a, from a theological perspective, it's, it's orthodox. It's not saying anything that's, that's contrary to what, you know, the consensus of scholars would say about the biblical text. So it's, it's accurate in that, in that regard. Um, and you know, it's, it's engaging and well-written. Is there, is there a problem with that sermon, uh, for, for a, a a congregation? And if so, why? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it relates to, um, well, why not just, uh, <laughs> you know, what what's the problem of plagiarism, right? Or um, like what's problematic about just repeating, um, you know, something that somebody's already uh, read and written. And I mean, this this gets us to a, a deeper understanding of a theology of preaching, right? That mm-hmm. that there there is a way that God ordains like the preaching of his word through human voices that are located in particular times and places that draw from the context and understanding of those people. Um, could God use a sermon that chat GPT wrote um, and minister to people? Well, sure. I mean, he uses like, you know, the jawbone of, of a donkey, you know, like he can use yeah. anything, but it's not what he has called us to do. Right. That mm-hmm. there is, there is a way that, that in the preaching moment, in the communication of the gospel, God, it's life on life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. That's how I always like to think of ministry. Look, ministry is always life on life. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's, and that's, that's the connection of, you know, bodily connection, embodied connection, but also the connection of spirit to spirit, right? Like when, when you, when you have a moving conversation with a mentor or a friend or, or somebody who ministers to you, there's some way in which there's this kind of divine transaction in which your spirit and their spirit have connected and the Holy spirit has been in between. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think that those are not replicable, right? I mean, we could create feasibly, you know, uh, humanoid Android, you know, AIs that are indistinguishable from human beings. But what we can't do is what God did <laughs> when he created mm-hmm. Adam from the dust, which is breathe into him the breath of life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that that's, that's not reducible, you know? So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers uh, yeah. as directly as you're at, wondering, but, but it raises this question of well, what is preaching all about? Why do we even need it? And what's going on in it? Right. Well, exactly. And I think that's, that's what I was getting at. And I, I had suspected that might be where you'd go. And I'm, I'm actually in you know, the same place with respect to that, that there, there really does seem to be that, that human element that, that the proclamation of the word is not just reducible to orthodoxy or, or, or that. I mean, that's, to me, that's vital, but it's also not equivalent to right. what makes a, a transformational sermon is not just that it's, that it's orthodox. Uh, it, it also, I think there's a, an element of the, the human experience, the lived experience and, and the understanding of, of the word of God for life lived as a human being, as an embodied soul. And, and AI can never know that can never, can right. never replicate that. Cause it's never, it's never been that um, at least for my, well, I know that's the case, but so that's, to me, that would be the the concern. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Yeah. Well, as I look at the time, I'm, I'm realizing that our, our time is almost gone, but I'm really excited that uh, we're going to have a second episode with Chris focusing on the same topic. We're going to continue the conversation and uh, we'll be tackling some of the other issues related to AI and the church and then some discussion about recommendations, uh, resources, how to think about it. But Chris, thank you so much for being a part of this episode 
and uh, really look forward to having you as part of the next episode as well. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Peter. It's been a really fun conversation and happy to, honored to be, be able to join. I want to thank all our listeners for listening to Whole and Holy. This is a, a production of Bethel Seminary, and we're delighted that you have Listen to this episode of Whole and Holy. If you have suggestions for future episodes or you have feedback on our episodes, please feel free to email us at whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Once again, that's whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.